Fork lunch. The best fork. time to do it <laughs> is in the dead of summer. I agree. <laughs> I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> People running round, looking bones into the ground. Is everyone just trying to be first? If you see me falling down from the buildings in the clouds, would you catch me for this bubble burst? I'm an American man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Come one, come all, step right up, have a seat, listen in to another episode of the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. My name is Raji Nathan, a.k.a. The Raj Nation. I am your show's host, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Martin McGovern, a.k.a. Marty McFly. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help us all better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. In this episode, we sit down with our friend Sabrina Medora. Sabrina creates and writes fictional stories around food through her Instagram account, Food Fiction Project, as well as covers stories behind culinary masterpieces of some of Chicago's best chefs through her article, Behind Chicago Food at ChicagoNow.com. Our conversation with Sabrina is something that may be on your mind this very moment, and it is the concept of doubt. Specifically, we ask the question, how do you fight doubt? Now, before we dive into this episode, I want to give you a quick reminder and invitation. If you're not a member already, join our tribe by going to www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. Doing so will give you an email every single Monday when we drop a new episode, as well as other cool tidbits and information I share that I think are interesting that you'd like to read or watch. All right, let's dive in now with Sabrina Medora. How do you fight doubt? Let's listen in. So doubt is something that I live with every single day of my life because I live with anxiety. And with everything I do, my first question is, is this good enough? And then I'll delete, and then I'll start again, and then I go, is this good enough? And then I'll post, and then I doubt what I've written. So then I'll go into edit mode. And And I'll delete. (laughs) And then I'll delete (laughs) and start again. And you know, I used to do that a lot more when I first started writing. I mean, I would have to make a rule that, okay, once you post, you have to turn off your phone and then leave it like that for an hour at least. So I started getting into the habit of writing right before bed and then waking up in the morning to see what the response was like. Um, It's nice to start your day with that much dopamine. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, the bad thing though would be I would get so excited that I would wake up at like one o'clock and two o'clock in the morning and then be like, you know, I'm just going to take a peek at Instagram (laughs) and like see what people are thinking about this post. And then, uh, you know, it's like this typical like teenager in middle school. It's like, I don't think I've gotten enough likes. Shit. Should I delete it? Is it not good enough? Do I need to start again? And like, it's not just in writing, it's everything you do, right? From, at least for me, putting on clothes in the morning, take another look, be like, oh, I don't know, is this going to be okay? But, you know, you, you learn to live with it, especially with someone that has um, anxiety and you start to learn that there are going to be triggers where you're going to lose control about how you feel. So you need to start pushing doubt away as much as possible and taking some kind of assertive control over what you can control. I think to me that is incredibly important, controlling what you can 
And when you can't, you just ride ride the anxiety wave and then start again. So take us through the kind of the story of putting your stuff online in the first place. Because that's its own battle, I think. Mm-hmm. Putting yourself up for public either approval or ridicule. Yeah. And then you you know, you've gotten to a point now where you've got a few thousand followers, I believe. Maybe more than that. A few thousand. Um, getting there. <laughs> <laughs> and now you write for Chicago Now, reviewing uh-huh. or it's not, it's not even really reviewing. It's like telling the stories of chefs, right, in exactly. restaurants, which is really cool. Specifically not reviewing. Speci- <laughs> yeah, it's specifically not reviewing. Um, the journey was interesting. I, um, <laughs> It's funny. Uh, my, my day job is that I'm a social media manager, and um, you might be surprised to hear I'm, I'm not sometimes the biggest fan of social media because as a social media manager, I've seen the tremendous pitfalls that that environment has. So um, live examples would be, you know, I would get um, abusive messages or really creepy messages from people just because I was the face of a brand at one point in time. And that would terrify me because they would actually know who I was and they would be able to identify where I was, what I was doing, uh, where I was going to be next. And that to me was really scary. And I always thought to myself, man, I'm never going to do anything for myself online because this shit's crazy. Um <laughs> <laughs> And then we got into the era of, like, everyone's a publisher. And just by putting your thoughts out there, you have more validity than if you kept them to yourself. And people people listen less, but start to read and scroll through more. And I was drawn to that. I I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. I was drawn to it. And um, the way that Food Fiction Project started was uh, my boyfriend and I were waiting in line for Ocheval, which, for those of you who don't know, is supposed to be one of the best burgers in Chicago, and the wait can sometimes be four hours. And the wait for us was four hours. <laughs> and it was a Monday night getting close to 10 o'clock. And so we were antsy, we were angry, we were hangry, if you will. We will. <laughs> and um, we were like, screw this. And we went over to Little Goat instead to just eat dinner. But as we sat down and the waiter brought us the waters, I got the little buzz text to say like, hey, your table's ready. And without thinking, and this was super poor diner etiquette, and I will never do this again, but I just jumped up and I was like, let's go. <laughs> and we, <laughs> and we, I like busted out of there without even looking back. Meanwhile, and, Little Goat is delicious. <laughs> I know. <laughs> little, goat, no, little Goat never recovered from that. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Stephanie Izard. I love you so much. That poor goat just sat there staring at you, shaking his head. I know. Well, that's, that's what my boyfriend was. He was like, what no, shout the out to <laughs> so we go back there. He's like, that was so goddamn rude. And like for my boyfriend to lecture me on etiquette was like a big deal. So <laughs> it was just, it was an unpleasant start to the evening, needless to say. And then we got this plate of um, poutine or like fries with duck heart gravy. And we're both like angrily stabbing at it, like just ready to like not talk to each other the entire time. And we both take a bite at the same time. And it was like that bite melted everything negative in the world that duck's heart melted yours (laughs) pretty much and i literally like i was writing the story as i as i was eating like it just came to me it was like you know with that one bite everything was okay and like both of us looked at each other and there was this moment like yeah it's gonna be okay and it was that bite that did it and i thought god wouldn't that make a good story and so just to play around with it i took this horribly bad picture, terrible lighting, terrible angle, oh my god, such an amateur shot of that poutine, and um, threw it up on Instagram, created an account called Food Fiction Project that had zero followers, and wrote that story. 
And then I uh, emailed it to a couple of my friends. I'm like, hey, what do you think of this? And they're like, that's kind of cool. I don't, I don't know what you're doing with it and what's the project. And I'm like, no, I don't know, but whatever. And that was in <laughs> 2015. And after that, I posted maybe like five or 10. And it was really just kind of an outlet for like, not even my emotions, but emotions of people that don't exist that I just think about. Because as a writer, we kind of, we have, <laughs> sometimes we have more active imaginations than real, <laughs> real lives, real social lives. <laughs> um, and if I had a friend, they would think this. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what my imaginary best friend would say. Um, but you know, that's, that was to me the biggest sign of doubt was the fact that I wasn't making a big deal out of it because I had I had at least a story a day to tell and I was just like well who the who's reading it no one cares and it's whatever so when I get to it I'll get to it and you know I would post occasionally and it would get like 10 likes maybe and I'd be like okay these are all my friends they have to like it mm-hmm. whatever and the more time went by um, things happened in life you know as it does um, I'm so grateful to have the day job that I have, but there was just something missing. And the fact that I had a job that I liked, I had, you know, a wonderful boyfriend, wonderful set of friends, but I was just like, I woke up in the morning unhappy and I went to bed unhappy. And that's, that's stark because it's not just like, eh, it's like there was genuine unhappiness inside and I felt incomplete and frustrated. Which is interesting. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Because... You were you were fulfilled in all the basically exactly. like the core areas exactly. of your life. Exactly. But there was like a desire for more, which is not a bad thing. It's not just not all. usually what you'd hear. People right. are like, "Oh, yeah. I hate my job. I have to go to that job." And yeah. Like, like we've been there before, and this is a situation of actually things are going really well, <laughs> but I, like something's not like yeah. there needs well, to be that, something else. Added. There needs to be a poutine gravy on top. Right. Of yeah, that, right. That desire for more. On the way here, I passed. Um, over by like the holiday club there's this big mural on the wall it just says more uh-huh. in like script and i just pass it i'm like wow we're really being marketed this yeah. like, we're really being sold on the more concept in life <laughs> and a lot of the times like wanting more is considered to be this bad thing and that's how i felt i felt ungrateful mm-hmm. and so it was even more frustrating to me that i had my basket of fries perfectly salted and everything but I still wanted that duck heart gravy on top of my life. That was perfect of you to say, Raj. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it just it built up to the point where I, I call it my rock bottom moment, where I woke up one day and I thought, man. And I, I, was, I was unhappy that I was awake, which is a horrifying feeling. Like, that's scary. And I go, I like procrastinated getting out of bed. I was already late for work. I go to the bathroom and I start brushing my teeth and I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I just start bawling my eyes out. And there's like toothpaste just spewing everywhere, like on me, on the mirror. And I just started crying with this toothbrush in my mouth. Like, and I even like cut my cheek with it because I was, <laughs> it was just a mess. And I just sank down and in my head, I was like, this is it. This is rock bottom. And then I got up, I washed my face, I dried it and I looked in the mirror and I go, you're a writer, just t- just start writing. And that was it. And it was crazy because my entire life, teachers have told me, my mom has told me, my grandparents have told me, several of my ex-boyfriends have told me, God, why don't you just write? Like you write novels for text messages, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I'm not good enough. I can't, I'm not JK Rowling, guys. I can't do it. I can't do it, so shut up. 
But but like that moment in the mirror, I was like, just stop, just stop, just write. And that day, I wrote about that rock bottom moment, and that got me over a hundred likes. And I looked at it, I'm like, well, that's cool, but let's not measure yourself. Let's just just write. And so I gave myself the challenge to write one original story every day that was inspired by a bite of food I've taken from a restaurant anywhere in the world, because that's how the journey started. That's how I started to understand what I was and who I wanted to be. And it wasn't until six months after that that I managed to start doing a little bit of research and learning about how there's this cool job called food writer and people actually write about food for a living and I could potentially do that, holy crap. And, And it just snowballed from there. And it's like, at some point you come to a choice. You either listen to the doubt and you sit on your bathroom floor covered in toothpaste and tears, or you get up, wash your face, look at yourself in the mirror and say, all right, doubt's here and I'm gonna move forward anyway. I'm gonna live with it. So the doubt never goes away. It's a part of who I am. I wouldn't be me without that fear and without that self-doubt and without even environmental doubt. But it's either me talking or the doubt talking. So I don't mean to make light of the story, but I'm just imagining our <laughs> listeners hearing that and they're like, so this chick hits rock bottom. She's like, I have this great job. I've got a great boyfriend. My friends are amazing. Oh. I know, I know. And like, you guys, trust me, I was judging myself just as hard as you are and probably still am. But, you know, there's always that point where like everything could be going right. But is it is it what you're meant to do in life? Because mm-hmm. it's that point of like, well, you can get up and go make money and have friends and, you know, be a normal person. But what are you waking up in the morning for? Mm-hmm. Well, didn't Drake say we all have different bottoms? <laughs> That's true. Some of us have flat bottoms. I thought bottoms. he was just talking Others about have yeah. round bottoms. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like that we both went to the same yeah. page. <laughs> same page. Same well, page. okay. So, I mean, I really am fascinated by this concept of doubt. Because um, you're right. It's Because you don't have it. <laughs> no, no. That's I, a lucky thing. <laughs> no, no, no. Not true at all. It's something every single I'm, I'm, day. I'm just fascinated by this thing out there. <laughs> I've heard about it before. It's just, it's like an animal at the zoo. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me see you. <laughs> No, I, I like it's something that I'm fighting every day, particularly as I am getting my new consulting thing off the ground, mm-hmm. because it's it's something that um, I think paired with doubt is momentum or lack thereof. Uh-huh. The more momentum you have, the less doubt you have. The mm-hmm. less, the less, the less have, time you have to doubt things. Yes, mm-hmm. the less momentum you have, the more the more there's the more time there is for doubt to come into the picture, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. your your mind is able to wander. And that's the beauty of procrastination. Like the more time you have, the more you can find reasons to not do things. Yeah. Yeah. And I see, you know, I look at, I just take like the last few weeks of my life. It's like, oh, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was good. Uh, uh, I got some news I didn't, that didn't, you know, bode well for me. Uh, Yeah. Thursday, Friday. What am I doing with myself? Yeah. Weekend hits. Okay. Relief. Let me just not think about things for a day. Go back to Monday. All right. I can do this. Yeah. Building up. Oh my God. What you know? And it's like it really is this roller coaster of day to day. And it's funny because like I'll go to bed. Like maybe it'll be like a good day that I have. Yeah. And I'll go to bed and I'll be like, I have no idea if tomorrow is going to replicate this or be the exact opposite. And it's really. I mean, it is like a pretty. Um, what's the word? It's a pretty big uh, just toll on your emotions. I think. Mm-hmm. And. 
I mean, we've talked so much on this show about how emotions affect decision-making and vice versa. Decision-making impacts emotions. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, I'll throw it to Martin. I'm curious to know um, how, you know, and everything you've been doing since we closed Idea Lemon, um, which is now four months ago or so at this point, three oh, months wow, ago. Oh, wow, really? Um, where has your journey, and the mental journey, been? Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of that. I think the, the biggest piece for me is um, a need for clarity. And if you're building your own thing, it's tough to get clear, especially when you're trying to do something that you're passionate about. Because uh, we've talked a lot about um, pursuing your interests. And the thing is, is that we all have lots of interests, right? So there's, um, I think one of the cool things about Food Fiction Project is that it combines multiple interests mm -hmm. into one execution. Mm -hmm. So writing, uh, eating, and photography and social social media. So actually, gluttony. For gluttony like, <laughs> it, and, and and like so, it combines a lot of things into one. Um, and one of the hard things I think whenever you're trying to do something that you're not being told to do, whenever you're trying to come up with something yourself, um, we try or I personally try and make multiple things instead of just one, do one thing really well. Mm -hmm. And so my journey since Idea Lemon has been one of trying to eliminate things, I think, and really get clear on what it is I'm trying to do. And every time, it, you know, every week kind of starts out with, ooh, it's a new week, I can try all sorts of things. <laughs> um, and then just trying to organize my days in a way that, um, stays focused on something um, so that I know that you know I'm moving the needle forward on at least one thing even if I'm not accomplishing the 700 other ideas that I come up with every single day I put those in their like Evernote mm -hmm. list and I just <laughs> leave them there we've all got that one <laughs> yeah um, so like I have I think two days ago I thought of like four new different types of like YouTube channels or Instagrams I could start um, for instance I have an Instagram called uh, career dogs that I opened the other day because someone reminded me I had it, and uh, <laughs> it had a hundred likes on it, uh, and comments from like Lewis Howes and stuff like that, <laughs> and I was like, I forgot I made this, <laughs> and it's there, just like floating this out. Different there. than Four Hour Wolf Week. Those were the same thing basically, oh, just I two different that. names. I love that. And like, and so then like, part of me is like, well, shit, I should go put a lot of time into this and like really develop it, and I'm like. Why? Like, yeah, what you? is it that I'm trying to do? Am I trying to like create a business about dogs? Am I trying to become an Instagram <laughs> famous person who doesn't own a dog but has an account about dogs? Like, what am I trying to do with this thing? Mm -hmm. And like, part of me, like, maybe not doing it is playing into that doubt piece. But the other part is like focus too. So I, I think I struggle between um, knowing when it is doubt and when it is. Uh, sanity yeah that's pushing me to make these decisions I mean I'm gonna chime in and say that I think you choosing to do it would have been acting through doubt because like doubting the real path that I'm trying exactly to because yeah. you're doubting your own instincts and when you think to yourself like okay but what purpose is this really going to serve and then all the other little voices in your head start going but a hundred likes on Instagram yeah. Ooh. yeah and <laughs> that like equals what right it's like so are you doubting your Bitcoins. actual path and you just yeah. want to seize on the first thing that works yeah it's like I want to get I want to feel good about something right so I'm going to go do this thing that feels good instead of the hard thing that's really what you know five years from now is going to be my entire life absolutely um 
and and so that I think it's like there's all these little things I could do every day that would make me feel good and there's a lot of hard work that makes me feel shitty like sales um, (laughs) that I know I have to be doing and so I could spend my morning crafting a great you know crafting the next 10 posts on, on career dogs or I could send five more sales emails and I know what I want to do but that's not what's going to work. So I think that that's my journey. It's like constantly fending off the instant gratification uh, in order for the real goal. I mean, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because oftentimes doubt, and this is something I learned because I've been working with an amazing career coach lately. Um, Her name is Rachel Redgate and she's fantastic. But she taught me that doubt is in our comfort zone. It's what we go to as our first instinct, and it's kind of what makes us get this type of instant gratification because we act on it and we, we allow it to take its course and we sort of throw our hands up and say, well, I have no control because doubt's in the driver's seat now. Mm. And it makes life annoying, but ultimately easier because then we're not working hard. We're, you know, we, we abandon our beliefs and we abandon those long hours in favor of doubt winning. And that really gets you nowhere. I think the control aspect's very interesting because you're right. It, I, I think one of the pervasive emotions or just things that happens is doubt is coupled with I am not in control of what's happening, mm-hmm. which leads to a feeling of helplessness, which ultimately can lead to a feeling of just resignation mm-hmm. or action of resignation or mm-hmm. lack of action, rather. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's just you go further and further down that pit Yeah. versus I think anytime anyone feels good about something is when they feel they are in control and you can't have control over everything, obviously. God, I wish but, we could. <laughs> are you sure about that? Cause I keep trying. I, I have a mug that says she who must be obeyed. And when my boyfriend saw it, he was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't mean to say like control in like an overbearing way, but yeah. it's more, when things are going well, it's like you also are thinking, all right, I understand the direction things are headed in. Mm-hmm. And that, that itself is a sense of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I like this idea that, so doubt makes you feel shitty, right? So if it's going to make you feel bad, when you feel bad, you don't want to do other things that make you feel bad. Unfortunately, it's usually like... Um, the things that you have to get done, mm-hmm. like the like, no one wants to clean their bathroom, right? And that doesn't make you feel good to clean your Some bathroom. Some people it does. Some people. <laughs> Maybe I not their bathroom, but yeah. cleaning their home. Cleaning their home. <laughs> but like, no, the after effect is great. When it's clean, it's wonderful. <laughs> but the process of getting behind the toilet never is fun. And so if yeah. I feel like, if I feel really... There's a metaphor in here yeah. somewhere. <laughs> but like, if I feel really crappy on a Saturday... There you go. Hey! <laughs> if I feel crappy on a Saturday, I don't want to clean behind the toilet, right? Yeah. But then that night... Um, well, ideally, you landed it in the toilet. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things, like, on the background of my phone, it says, um, the price of discipline is always less than the pain of regret. Mm-hmm. And I try to think about that when I'm, when I'm doing these things. Because, like, if, if my doubt or my anxiety makes me feel terrible... Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna push me to do things that make me feel good. And a lot of the things that make you feel good aren't the right thing. So spending all day distracting yourself on social media or 
going out and partying to distract yourself from the things you need to get done or avoiding people because you don't want to have difficult conversations. These are all things that feel better than the anxiety, so you're drawn to it. Um, And so for me, it's like, even if I feel terrible, I I need to not distract myself or I need to not run away from it. I need to still clean behind the toilet right um and and move because i know at the other side of it when the anxiety lifts i'll also have a clean bathroom you know what's really interesting is so you said um when you're feeling really bad you still have to do stuff that you don't want to do and then eventually it'll make you feel good but when you when you avoid those things it makes you feel good in the moment right for me it's actually the exact opposite when I go into my dark hole of anxiety, which happens way more than I would like it to, I self-sabotage and I'm super aware of it. So like I'll sit there and I'll eat an entire party sized bag of chips and I know I'm making myself feel ill. Like I can feel that I want to like just toss it away and drink a glass of water and just get out of bed. Like I'll stay in bed though. I'll stay in bed and I'll like have the covers over me and I'll get sweaty and I'll get uncomfortable. And I almost like drag myself down because I feel like okay you failed so far now you have to fail everywhere else and feel like absolute crap and then that will push you to be your best person tomorrow so it's interesting that we like take it in different ways see I think I just interpret it differently because that's exactly what I do I just interpret that as staying in bed is easy staying in bed feels good yeah whereas for me it feels bad like even if it does like like physically my body is aching, I'm like, this still feels better than getting up and doing the thing Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to do. And I think in addition to that, it's it's like the foot in the door phenomenon where it's yeah. like, well, I've already done that. It's not, it's not, I'm not doing that much more if exactly. I just add to this. Yeah. You know, if I just started exactly. a bag of chips. I already you know? had a exactly. drink. I guess yeah. now I'll have a cake. Yeah. Like I already didn't work out yesterday. So screw it. I won't work out today right. either. But yeah. like, no dude. Yeah. Well, and that's where the discipline aspect comes in, right? Because if you are disciplined in your actions and then, and this goes back to like the, the Jerry Seinfeld method where he's like, how do you become good at writing jokes? You write a joke. You put. You have your calendar on the wall. <laughs> you never. And you write street. a joke. And you, every day you write a joke. You put an X. And yep. after like five days, you won't want to not put an X on the sixth day, mm-hmm. and the seventh day, and the eighth mm-hmm. day. And that's you know you have to like build up that tolerance where you know like someone who goes to the gym once and doesn't come back, it doesn't do anything for them. That's yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> or you know I even you know I've even said this in some of my yoga classes before. Like if you. If you do yoga once a week, don't really expect to gain any more flexibility. You have to do it like three to five times a week yeah. to gain flexibility yeah. and to gain you know whatever result you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You can maybe like maintain some type of just general like you know health and breathing and stuff. You just do it once a week, but and 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 people, a lot of times people are like, well, maybe I'll, who haven't done it before, be like, maybe I'll just, I'll just I'll ease into it. You know, yeah. I'll go like once a week, and I was like, okay, just don't expect results for, yeah. forever. Yeah, <laughs> it's true because back I have two pictures from two different weddings of me doing like a back bend thing <laughs> on the dance floor. Uh, one followed I'm by like, two pictures at hospitals. Yep, yep. <laughs> I may have limped a little bit after. Uh, no, but one is from two years ago when I did yoga all the time, um, like twice a week or something like that. Um, so not three years day. ago now. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but um, and then one is from like a month ago. And the amount of flexibility in the photos is very, very, very apparent. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and then that's what, you know, when you break the chain, you have to start again. Mm-hmm. There's so much inertia built up 
that makes it harder to start up again. Yeah. That's how I was with rock climbing. I'd go like once every couple months and I'd be like, I'd hate it because every time I'd get there, I'd have to like learn the basics again. Mm-hmm. And my muscles would be like, what is happening? Why mm-hmm. are you doing this? Yeah. I'm like, I, I'm sick of always starting at the beginning. And I think that's the momentum piece that we keep talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, if you let anxiety and doubt stop the momentum, a month from now when you come back to it, you're at square one again. You've yeah. completely negated all of the stuff that you've worked up And to. you know you're doing that to yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's not that you're not aware. The interesting thing is, it's... Um, I love the fitness example because I actually kind of took the plunge back in this past October to just, yeah. The water was colder. <laughs> the water is colder in October. Um, Ain't no July plunge. <laughs> uh, listeners, that was an inside joke from before we started. Oh, we weren't recording yet? <laughs> <laughs> Who are these listeners you're talking about? So... In October, I said, I'm going to do this challenge group thing with Beachbody, and I'm going to go for a month, and I'm going to look hot as hell for this, like, event that I have in November. And let's just say that was a big fat no. And I maybe got through, like, two workouts, three workouts a week, and there was not a lot of change in my body. And the only thing I was working towards was that one event. And I thought to myself, like, okay, what happens after that one event? Are you going to go back to being completely out of shape and Cheetos. eating whatever you want? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know about you, but salt and vinegar chips for me. Mm. <laughs> Spicy Doritos. <laughs> um, and I kind of, like, took a step back and reevaluated. It's like, if I want to be fit all my life, doing one-month challenges here and there is not only going to piss me off because I'm going to be depriving myself of everything I love during that one month, but it's not going to get me anywhere. And... Similarly, if you're only doing like if you're only writing one story a week and thinking like, oh, we'll see what happens, like mm-hmm. nothing's really going to happen. You're not going to yeah. better yourself. And so the new mantra that I took was like, my whole life is my timeline. For however long I'm here, I've got this much amount of time to do it. So in the grand scheme of things, if I miss a workout Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday because of my schedule or because I'm not feeling well, one, I don't beat myself up over it because there is no restart. I know I'm going to get back to it because I owe it to myself because I've extended that timeline. So it's no longer like you're kind of working for this one thing and then that's it. It's like know that doubt is going to be there no matter what and that shitty days are going to happen no matter what and you have to live with it. And as long as you know that they're always going to be there, it's like, all right, buddy, we're walking through this together. Sometimes you're going to have your day and sometimes I'm going to have my day, but ultimately we're doing this for the long haul. And the long haul is when it really starts to count because you beat yourself up less about not achieving. Well, and so how do you set your priorities around that? Because you can't, I think, um, even with goal settings, like, uh, what you're saying is like you never have to do goal setting because it's the whole lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, we have goals in there. So even our goals for the accountability group that we're in, um, I notice it's like, okay, now add in relationship goals. Now add in uh, workout I'm goals. Now add in this goal. And I like look at the spreadsheet and I go, well, I didn't have a goal around relationships, <laughs> but now I feel like I should. Right. And I felt like, well, I don't, I don't want to put something in there because that wasn't in my original goal set. Yeah. Because I'm going for a lifetime thing and I don't care what happens the next six months. I'm like focus on the long term anyway the point being is um there's a thousand goals that we could add to, to this yeah. list um and then you're just constantly going to be beating yourself up because you have to choose between goals and mm-hmm. so how do you prioritize how do you look at all that stuff i do it through daily discipline with the acknowledgement that it's not always going to work so my goal setting is i sat down and i thought to myself who do i want to be what do i want to be so I thought of like words to us that I would like people to start associating me with. So like 
um, class, excellence, strength, humility, warmth, kindness. And then I said, okay, what, what, what do I want my body to feel like every day? And like, this sounds super cheesy, but like Kate Hudson is such a great example for me because she, you know, she's not that crazy about her diet and she does all these fun things, but at the same time she commits to doing something for her body every day and making her body feel happy. So I think, okay, that's something I'd like to do for myself. And I kind of set these like lifelong, like if I was to die tomorrow, would I be happy with who I am kind of a thing, which I mean, I don't know if that would work for everyone, but it works for me. And then I say, okay, well, how do I get there? And it's a daily process. So my day is, you know, what are my goals? I know I have to write a story. I know I have to do 30 minutes of sweat-worthy exercise. And I know that I want to live through all of the struggles of today with as much dignity as I can. So listen more, take a step back before you react. And when anxiety comes into the picture, which it does very often, acknowledge it and see what level it's at because sometimes it's going to be too much to handle and I acknowledge it and I say okay today anxiety wins and I can't work out but tomorrow I'm working out Mm -hmm. and tomorrow sometimes I don't work out and that's okay like the whole point is like I don't I've I get more done by not beating myself Mm -hmm. up because I acknowledge that this is going to happen and I acknowledge that no matter what like even if I miss a whole week and I don't do any writing I don't do any exercising I do nothing except lie there which is fine you know what? Like in the grand scheme of things, okay, you took that week. Now let's get back to it. Yeah. Well, and part of this too is it's very much based around what, um, not necessarily what goals, but what type of life are you trying to have? Uh-huh. Like you've mentioned before, Martin, like unless you get a personal trainer, you're not the type of person who's going to willingly go to the gym or, or exercise, right? Like mm-hmm. on a regular basis anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just not in your. Yeah, Whatever. and whenever I try to force myself to do it, I beat myself up. Yeah, because it's like I know I'm gonna, like I just always have failed every time, even if it's been consistent for a few months. Yeah, it always ends up falling off. Whereas with me, like you know, rarely do I have like three days in a week where I don't work out. Yeah, and but when those days happen, like if I have like a three, I'm like my my body feels weird. Totally on that third day, and I'm like, oh my god, I yeah. like something is wrong yeah. here. I have to go. I have to go work out. And that's how I feel on days I work out. Like, <laughs> this, this is weird. I'm like, this isn't how my body feels. <laughs> this is not how my body wants to feel. Where's the flap? Bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be jiggly. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm sure, like, for you, Sabrina, if you were to go, I don't know, like, how regularly you are going to restaurants, but if you were to go, like, past your set number of, like, I haven't been to a new restaurant mm-hmm. in this many days or weeks, mm-hmm. you'd be like, okay, something's wrong here. I need to get back on that track. Yeah. Well, here's the, it's funny, actually. So this, ha- <laughs> I took a quote from Padma Lakshmi, so sorry for stealing that. But this past week, I felt like a human dumpster mm. because um, rough life here, but I've gotten pretty much like free meals and good tastings and big discounts <laughs> at restaurants for the last two weeks in a row. So I've been eating yeah, out. you chose light pudding. <laughs> <laughs> I have been eating out every single day and to that extent, like... That 30 minutes of sweating is going to become a necessity pretty soon listen, based on this. <laughs> yeah, well, it's already happening. But the thing is, is like, you know, I'm eating more sugar than I normally do, more salt than I normally do, more meals in the day than I normally do. And, you know, I, I am gorging. And at first it was this luxury, but, you know, about six days in, I was feeling it. Like, I felt the slog and the struggle. 
And that made me think like, okay, well, again, if you want this to be life, because let's face it, that's a pretty sweet deal. What are you going to do to make sure everything else stays on track? And like, it's all about knowing yourself. Like, yeah. listen, like when your body feels like shit, take a step and be like, all right, what's going on? Yeah. We need some water. I mm-hmm. think we need some water. Or when you just haven't been working out or you can't get there, it's like, maybe I need to switch it up. Like, you know, I love my beach body workouts, but this week I've just been craving yoga because I don't want to be doing something by myself that's super strenuous because I feel like crap. So instead, I'm going to go to yoga, get a nice flow, get a nice sweat. So it's all about like, just as long as you're checking in with yourself every now and then, you're helping yourself stay on track. Yeah. Well, and look at the man versus food, like rise. That that guy, you could you could tell he wasn't ready for it. Yeah. Like he was like, oh yeah, I do food challenges, and then he got this <laughs> show, and then he's like, all right, I'm doing these food challenges, and then like he just got bigger and bigger through the seasons, and then like they had to like just start doing the challenges with other people because he's like, my body can't keep yeah. up. And then, like, you know, some magazine came out and he, like, lost, like, 70 pounds or something like that. Because he's like, I have to bounce back now. Like, this, <laughs> like, it's, that's what's so interesting. is like, in pursuit of our goals, we forget about the out, like, the residual effect mm-hmm. of, of following those things. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, I've become, like, I've over the years become more and more of a workaholic. What has that done to the rest of my life? Right. It has made, like friendships and relationships very difficult for mm-hmm. me and now I need to give that some attention in order to like keep some sort of balance and I think the same thing goes you eat a lot of food you also have to work out yeah. if you're going to work a lot you also get, better get good at communication right. which I'm still working on and like these are all things I think um, in this world that we live in which is constantly improving always wanting more in pursuit of those things we need to see the full picture mm-hmm. I want to go back to something you said before, Martin. Um, and so for reference, Martin and I are in a mastermind group with a few other people and we have a monthly accountability call. It's like we have a goal tracking spreadsheet and you check in on those goals and everything. That sounds intimidating. It, a goal it, spreadsheet. It's, it's, it's nice because it keeps you accountable to something, but at uh-huh. the same time, like you were saying, like there's like so many different categories of like what do you, you know, it's like. When, when we did this three, four years ago, like my, I, the categories were even twice as many like remember when yeah. we did it with ben and ben's spreadsheet <laughs> yeah. like ben's ben is an engineer and he's like all about like zero and one like, is how his mind works <laughs> he, he does everything in like yeah yeah, yeah in, Bi- in Bi- binary. binary and like i looked at his and i was like shit my life is ending <laughs> <laughs> i'm dying right now if i'm not that but so like so we're you know we're in this group together and uh, earlier in this conversation, Martin, you had mentioned you were talking about the the career dogs thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think you had said something like, um, "What am I trying to do with this?" Yeah, right. And that is over the last like week is something that I'm thinking about now because in our mastermind tracking spreadsheet, I have in there uh, yoga teaching goals. One of them is get my yoga Facebook group up to like 500 people by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And then I was like. But why? I don't need to do that, you yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, it's not, like, I don't really have any plans for that group other than to just show people how to do poses that they don't know how to do and yeah. help them. And even with that in the group, like, it's very tough for me to do anything more than, like, one video or one post a week mm-hmm. because it does take a good amount of time. Like, I've got to, like, plan out, okay, I need to be in a space where I, they can hear me, the background is not, like, busy, and I can talk into the camera and, you know, it takes a few takes sometimes mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And it, it does sometimes become just like stress more than anything else. 
And I'm happy that I do it, but it, it, it can be stressful for that reason sometimes. And I'm like, you know, the next call we have, I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't care how many people this group goes to. Yeah. And actually, on top of that as well. When you have a lot of things, you've got wrestling, you've got yoga, you've got. Yeah, and I kind of, of the, the wrestling project, um, it uh, kind of died just because people weren't getting in, engaged in it. And I was like, I don't need to force it on them if they don't want to get themselves involved. But as I'm thinking about, okay, like I, you know, I had that goal for the yoga group and everything, and now I'm like, okay, if it's if it's like 50 members, which it is now, or if it's 100 members or 500, I don't care. But it also makes me think, like, and I think we probably all have this similar type of personality, and I'm sure a lot of people listening have this personality too. Is like I'm, I've been thinking, like, why would why wasn't it just enough for me to just teach classes? Why did I have to also add on something else on top of that? Mm-hmm. Why, like, you know, why couldn't I? Why couldn't I have just said, you know what, I'm just gonna teach these classes yeah. and let it end when the class ends? I don't have to like ask people, hey, if you want to join my group, join my group. I don't have to put more pressure to put things online, any of that stuff. But for whatever reason, I created that added stress. And I think it's because we taught it for one thing, sure. but it's also because I think we all live in this marketing world. We're all marketers. Uh, do you consider yourself a marketer? I do consider yeah. okay. so like, But more a writer now than a marketer, yeah, more, which more is writer. exciting. <laughs> and so, like, um, I, I'm the reason I got into marketing is because I'm easily influenced by marketing, and mm-hmm. I want to know how people are controlling me. Like, I was the fat kid that did the Subway <laughs> diet. Like, Did it work? It did. Okay. Uh, well, he's not fat anymore. Yeah. Well, that, well, it could be because of something else. Those well, two times also, at the gym. <laughs> I, also, I also did Slim Fast and Two Days with Football. That was probably unhealthy. But um, there's, there's this level of, um, because we know it, and because we live in it, and because we're social media people, mm-hmm. and we... Um, are able to do it. I think the ability, like, because we're able to do it, um, we put mm. a lot of pressure on ourselves to do it. It's like, oh, I'm able to design, so I should do design. I'm able to do social media, so I should do social media. I'm able to blah, 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 blah. And we can launch a thousand projects a week because we're those types of people. And I think, um, I don't know, I talk to people who just love to cook but never post about it. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's, you and I have talked about this, FOLO, fear of living offline, where oh it's gosh, like, yes. where it's like, if I don't post it, it didn't happen. But it's like, I don't know. My roommate makes amazing dinners um, and just eats them. And, and just like, eats them. <laughs> <laughs> How crazy is that? Man. What a weirdo. And like, just enjoys the fact that he's able to cook, <laughs> and like, no one knows unless he cooks for them, which he does sometimes. And like, that's, I don't know. There's something about being in the marketing world and wanting to see the impact you can have from a marketing perspective. That makes that puts a lot of pressure, I think, um, or I put a lot of pressure on myself to see how big I can scale something. More from a I want to learn marketing standpoint, not so much from a I want to make career dogs my life. The fact that I created something that keeps getting likes without me touching it is interesting, mm-hmm. um, and that's as far as I needed to go with it. And now I have that use case or that that case study or whatever. Yeah. And I don't yeah. So here's the thing: there's thinkers. There's, I don't have a fun word for this, but the people that like to just ride the wave, and then there's doers. And there's nothing wrong between being any of those things, and you could even be a combination of two or more, but I consider myself to be a doer. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying more. Let's do it, more. Because actually I was taught, like, 
you know, stop wanting more. More is bad. Like, it's not good. Like, your ego is going to swell, blah, blah, blah. But there's nothing wrong with more. There's nothing wrong with if you are the type of person that wants to challenge yourself and take it on, do it. Like, for me, the whole point of why I'm starting to see success is because I, I woke up every day and I said, more. So I, I took Food Fiction Project and I turned it into, how else can I make this work? And it turned into Behind Chicago Food, which is now a column for Chicago Now, where I'm talking about real stories instead of fictional stories. And, you know, now, and then I said, okay, more. And now there's a book in the works. And it's, you know, say more. And yes, you'll be tired. Yes, you'll be exhausted. Yes, you'll have to prioritize. And those are all skills that you need to learn along the way. And the only way you can is just by being honest with yourself, even if it's for like one second in a month even. Like, if you burn out, you'll you'll recalibrate. If you see one project fail, you will eventually let go of it and realize, okay, time to go in another direction. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we beat ourselves up sometimes for doing too much, and then we also beat ourselves up for not doing enough. And I think we need to be okay that, like, you know, whether we are doing too much or not enough, like, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm reading, I just started reading The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And I hear I hear it's really good. It's yeah, it's supposedly. I got really angry with the first chapter. Um, <laughs> so like he starts by giving his analysis of the self help self help industry, mm-hmm. where he says the entire point of the self help industry is to say you're not doing enough. Um, so like if you want this in life, you should be X, right? Yeah. Or you should be doing X. And he says that is creating a negative impact on people because we constantly feel like we're not enough. Mm-hmm. So. The self-help industry constantly puts a mindset of, you're not doing enough, you need us to help you fix it. And that's true. I I agree with that. Um, I think it's useful in certain points of your life. Um, I think it can also be harmful at other points in your life. So it all depends on where you're at. And like, like use self-help when you need it. Mm -hmm. Don't use self-help when you don't. Yeah. And then you're reading this book. And then he says, uh, but really, we should all just like give fewer fucks. Like everyone's giving so many fucks, you should give fewer fucks. And I just paused it because I listen to audiobooks, and I'm just like, all right, so I'm I'm doing it wrong because I'm giving too many fucks, and now I'm doing it wrong because I'm not, or I'm giving, or I'm not giving too few fucks. And I'm like, which is it? Now, like, your self-help book is telling me that the fact that I want more yeah. is wrong, so now I need to want less. But I'm also doing that wrong, and I'm like, this is really frustrating. Like, what you just said, it's like the middle. It's like, I want more, I'm probably not doing enough that's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and to get back to what Raj said, like that whole Facebook group thing, I get it. Like sometimes we want more because we want gratification. It's a human instinct. Like we want people to think we're cool. We want people to follow us. We want people to care about what we say. That's why we're in the industry that we're in. My mom thinks I'm cool. Right. I mean, my mom sometimes, my mom <laughs> sometimes thinks I'm cool. My dad's still on the fence. <laughs> but, you know, like you did it, you pursued it, and then you took a step back. It's like, is this really doing something for me? And then, you know, you came to that answer. But something that I try to challenge myself and often fail with is, am I doing this for me because it's going to help me achieve that lifelong goal to where if I die today, I'm going to be okay? Or is it just like, I want to seem cooler and I want, like, you battle doubt by having other people tell you how great you are. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. battle doubt by looking at your followers and your likes, right? Like, it's, it's always this constant little cycle. So you have to, like, sometimes that doubt is creeping in by telling you to do more just so you can get gratification. So that's where you need to take a step and be like, all right, am I, like, my goal is to get 500 followers, but 500 followers to do what? 
just yeah. follow yeah. it. Yeah, well, you know, when I started, I was like, maybe I'll want to, like, sell apparel through this at some point. Yeah. But I'm like, you know, maybe I still want to, but... Yeah. This isn't going to be the route to do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a, this is a private Facebook group. It's it's yeah. by nature a contained yeah. entity yeah. that yeah. can only grow to like a certain point before people aren't going to even like see what's going on with it. Yeah. You know. Well, and that's where books like Ego is the Enemy and all that stuff play in because it's it is that idea of am I doing this like likes help uh, give validity to things and they help you get certain opportunities and this is where Black Mirror plays in right yeah. like that episode did you have you guys seen it I've no. heard it there's an episode it. where like everything in your life has likes mm-hmm. so like this oh, yeah, interact- we talk about yeah. yeah so um again go watch that episode but that's like you do get things for certain things like you can talk you can eat at certain places or get certain discounts or talk to certain people because you have this history yeah. of of work and I think that the point is like if at 50 I want to meet this chef, I won't be able to meet that chef unless I've done this for the past, you know, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And Richard Blaze, I'm coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, there are, so it's like, you know, 100 likes today isn't as important as I'm going to have dinner with this person in five years. Yeah. Um, but the 100 likes today help you in that path. And yeah. I think there's a tough piece in there of your ego getting caught up in it. Mm-hmm. And this was something that I was at Creative Mornings the other day. Um, and uh, we, there were these two improvers, and I'm blanking on their name, Messing, I think, and uh, Susan Messing. Um, and she was saying how uh, with improv, like, you, cre- you you do all this stuff on stage, and then you leave the stage, and then people either hate it or like it. Um, but they don't hate or like you. They hate or like that thing that you did. And we've talked about this before, where Food Fiction Project isn't you, right? It is you, but it's not actually you it's one part of what you've created and put out there and the same with idea lemon like how how we got caught up in it it's like idea lemon is a brand all the likes that idea lemon got were idea lemon likes not likes not of you. my personality mm-hmm. and i think that that's the tough part even like my personal instagram i've started separating it from who i am it's like my personal instagram the likes are not for me as a person they're for that photo mm-hmm. and and the edit that i did on that photo and i think that I think there's a very tough separation totally. in that world. See, I agree with that only to a certain point because I think that makes sense for someone in the world of, you know, let me just like casually try things here and there. But for someone who's like trying to go all in on something or who's really like wants to make like like when we the episode we did with Amber, uh, which was season one of or episode one of this season from Hamilton. I got the feeling she didn't really agree with that statement because she had to make it her life and she had to make it herself, performance that is, to be able to get to where she is today. Mm-hmm. And she's an example of someone who just like, like, you know, bear, like bared down and has done it and is doing it. And for someone like her, where she's like, no, like it's this or bust, like, you know, high school or college teacher who says I should pick another career, screw you, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. For someone like that, she cannot afford to have the mindset of... Separation. Yeah, of separation. It works in the context of, maybe I want to try a yoga Facebook group and see how it goes. It works in that context, but I don't... And then, I disagree with you if, you if you want, but I don't think it works for the, like, for Tom Brady, for, um, you know, for any, like, prolific athlete, for any prolific chef, for any prolific whatever. I don't think they can afford to have the it's separate from me mindset. I would, ag- I would agree and disagree at the same point. I think, and I, I'm just going to preach the whole balance thing, like 
everyone's got their own road and you know I think what you said is right like for a chef or for a performer I don't they're there should probably be a level of separation just for, you know, <laughs> peace of mind. But um, sometimes there's not. But for people that are on social media or even entrepreneurs that are constantly trying to see what the next big thing is and how fast we can make it work, I think separation is key. And it's interesting that you say food fiction project isn't me because I, I smiled at you because I'm struggling so hard with that. Because my dad was like, why is, why is food fiction project your brand name? I'm like, because it's me like it, it that's who it is and he's like no but you're Sabrina Medora and I'm like oh mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well and, and that's the thing it's like you, we are you I think you should keep what you do for your lifestyle as part of who you are so like if you're a chef you're a chef but every dish you make isn't sure a hundred percent representative of you every post you post isn't a hundred percent representative of you mm-hmm. every performance that she gives isn't her entire life mm-hmm. right cuz you're 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 working with so many other people i mean yes if you're an executive chef and chef partner of a restaurant then yes the entire menu is a direct reflection of who you are and how you've been trained but 90% of the time you're not executing those dishes yeah. it's the sous chefs it's the line cooks it's the fish guy and it's not the only menu you could ever make exactly. and i think that like so with my instagram i was like the whole instagram is my life mm-hmm. but i'm like no the these are just pieces of my life not my entire life kind of a thing and I think that feeds back into doubt right like when we doubt that we can be anything more than what that is that's when we limit ourselves so like there was a point where I never like I argued with my dad because I was like but food fiction project is it this is what I am and what I do and he, you know he's very smart so he raised his hands was like all right but like a couple weeks later, yes, I won. <laughs> right. <laughs> a couple of weeks later, you know, behind Chicago food happened. But if I had limited myself and been unable to separate me from Food Fiction Project, I would have never dreamed to think that I could take the writing to the next level and talk about the real stories and start interviewing chefs. I think so. I think to that point, really, what it comes down to is it's it's it's, it's like it's identifying the skill you want to develop. Right? Like writing was a skill you wanted to develop. Food was the avenue for that skill. I'm sure if, you know, like if Food Fiction Project had somehow gained its own momentum to where it was like, you know, bringing you revenue in some way, mm-hmm. you'd be like, okay, well, this could be it. Mm-hmm. But what you're interested in essentially is from what I can gather is your career is in being a very good writer and being associated with food at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to keep pursuing whatever opportunity further enables you to write. Totally. Yeah. And so, it's, sorry, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. It's, it's paralyzing sometimes because now that I know food writing is a thing, I'm like, oh God, am I doing it wrong? And then I read, you know, books by Padma Lakshmi and Gail Simmons and specifically Gail Simmons. And she talks about how she became a food writer. And um, I'm thinking like, oh, crap, now I have to go to culinary school? Now I have to work for Jean-Georges? Oh, shit. <laughs> and, and then I stop and I have to be like, but she made that path for herself. Mm-hmm. Like, she chose the avenues that got her to where she is today. I need to choose the avenues that are going to get me to where I'm going to be today. And I'm like, I cannot stress this enough to anyone that's pursuing any kind of career or goal like it's good to have a community and it's good to learn how other people are doing it and it's great to listen to podcasts like these but it's so easy to fall into that doubt trap where it's like well crap I must be doing it wrong Mm because I'm not there yet or crap like it sounds like she's more successful or he's more successful because they did this instead like 
don't fall into that trap because that's just your self-doubt talking to you. Yeah, it's it's the conversation I had with someone who was like, um, uh, they were they wanted to start a podcast and they were asking me about it and they were like, yeah, but you and unmistakable creative are like over there and I'm like, whoa. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, you're saying they launched our podcast and next to unmistakable <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> meanwhile. A year and a half prior to that, I was on an airplane going, this unmistakable podcast is really cool. Right. Wouldn't it be cool to start a podcast? <laughs> and, like, the, like the, the distance between um, perception and, and the reality of it, it's like, if, let's say... Season one, episode two. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, if, like, this podcast is one thing that I do, right? Mm-hmm. My job is another thing that I do. Um, any of my social profiles are different things that I do. Um, and these like little creative projects that I come up with at a, at a moment's notice and then forget about are also things that I do. None of them are all of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a focus. I know what the focus is. I know what my life is going to look or will hopefully look like. Not is. I have no idea. But I know what I'm going for five years. Like you want to be a food writer, right? Yeah. I want to be a marketing consultant. Mm-hmm. Um I'll let you answer <laughs> We're still working on that one. <laughs> but like, um, and that's okay. Yeah, like it's totally and, okay. And and uh, and I think that I I'm someone who, again, I buy into other people's marketing. Um, so like, there were moments where I was like, oh, I want that that life, like the Tim Ferriss life, or whatever it is, right? And consistently having to check myself, I think, is partially doubt, but partially like that line between doubt and just being real, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at what point is it just me worried that I'm gonna fail trying at that? And at what point of, is it me accepting the reality of, like, my baseline is low energy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm high energy, but baseline, I'm not gonna go work out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I just know that about myself. So the only way I'll work out is if I pay someone to do it. So how do I get enough money to pay someone to make me do it? Yeah. And so like these things, I think understanding what our baseline is and then understanding what we're not and then understanding what we want to be. And I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts yeah. are on that. Well, I think, so to the point of the perception gap and after this, I want to get your thoughts and then we'll wrap up. Um, so Sabrina, you were saying like, you're reading like Padma Lakshmi stuff, you're reading Gail Simmons and you're like, oh crap, I'm not there yet or mm-hmm. I'm not doing the things that they're doing. What I think is so crucially important to ease the doubt and to help with your own progress is, and this is what we talked about for a long time, Martin, is having people around you who are, are, who are like not so far ahead of you that it's like unattainable and not so far behind you that it pulls you back, but also the media you're consuming goes along with that. Like, one of the things I look at um, with our friend Daniel DiPiazza, who owns the business Rich 20-something, you know, very good friend of mine. He's super successful and everything. Um, but I look at some of like the products he comes out with, um, which are generally different types of entrepreneurial online courses. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so this, you know, this whatever product, it's like the how to like automate your systems. And, you know, because it's his job to sell that product, it's like, you know, like this will help you, you know, with this, this, and this, you'll make your, you know, this is the funnel formula that made me $500,000, all that stuff. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, like, I hope he sells a lot of this because I hope he does well. But for a lot of the people who are reading and consuming that material and who are considering buying it, it's like he, he got to that like automation part like so much later down the road 
Mm-hmm. And it could be seen as like, well, this is going to help you up front if you do it now, to a point. Because some people haven't done any of like the baseline work to where they can even be thinking about the automation Because he started aspect. with tutoring. Like, right. You haven't even gotten a client base. Yet. Exactly. Or like the, the people who went crazy over the Instagram course, like get your, you know, whatever it was called, like get your 20,000 followers. And it's yeah. like so many people who are like, oh, I need that because it's going to bring me customers. Like they don't even have like what their business idea is and yeah. they're, they're going to buy into that. So that's where I th- what I'm saying is it's important to know like and and where you're and at. put plug into your life from the outside like what are the more immediate things that are going to help me as opposed to um, let me just drool at what's the ultimate example of success and then try to replicate that today mm-hmm. even though it doesn't make sense because I'm not at that point where I can even introduce that in. Yeah. I think um, in terms of that I really, the one thing I love about reading Gail Simmons' book is that she openly talks about the doubt that she faced and the journey that it took to get her where she is today. And I think that it's important to surround yourself with more media that acknowledges the struggle to get where people were as opposed to saying, here's how you can do it for free, for quick, for this much, for that much, to get here, to get there. Because it reminds you, like, this person was you at one point in time. Maybe not exactly, but pretty much the same mindset. So here's how she did it. Here's how someone else did it. Here's how someone else did it. Mm-hmm. And just like, don't be, don't put all your eggs in the one Gail Simmons basket, right? Don't yeah. be like, okay, she did this and she's exactly like me, so I'm going to do this. Like, keep exploring, keep expanding, and be flexible with your own goals. I think some people are so hard on themselves because they're like, well, this is the goal that I've set and now I'm going to do whatever it takes to achieve. But goals change. Like, Food Fiction Project was supposed to be my big thing, and now you're absolutely right, Garage. It's it's one piece of my overarching brand. And frankly, I don't know what that brand is quite yet. Like, I don't know if my ultimate goal is food writer or if I'm going to get there and say, more. Yeah. I want to be a judge. I want to travel the world. I want to open my own restaurant. Like, I don't know. And coming to terms with not knowing, coming to terms with the fact that doubt is always going to be there, like... That's the, that's the best thing that you can do for yourself, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it goes back to f- like grabbing onto things that make you feel good. If mm-hmm. you purchase someone's course that prescribes how to get there, you're going to feel good. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's right for you. Yeah, or it'll make you feel bad because you're like, crap, I can't do this. I can't do this. Yeah, <laughs> that too. All right, we need to wrap up. Before we do, Sabrina, let our listeners know. Um, you've mentioned it already. Maybe we'll give a little bit more background on Food Fiction Project. Um, your column now on Chicago Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want to let our listeners know and where they can find you? Yeah, um, you can find Food Fiction Project on Instagram. I tried doing a Facebook thing and I realized it wasn't worth it. So Instagram, at Food Fiction Project. There's new stories out every single day except Saturdays. And um, you can read my column, Behind Chicago Food, where you'll find behind-the-scenes interviews and tastings with chefs from around Chicago. And um, if you want to subscribe to my newsletter, just go to www.foodfictionproject.com and click subscribe. Awesome. And the Behind Chicago Food articles are very good. Thank you. They're unlike any I've read before because they, like you said, they're not reviews. Yes. They're delicious. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I sat there and I, I, one of my tricks is how do I, how do I bring value to the table? And if I can't identify one way I can, then I don't bring it to the table. Mm-hmm. So my value add was everyone's talking about restaurant reviews. I don't think I'm qualified to do that. Everyone's talking about food reviews. I, I think everyone's palate is different and I'm not trained enough to be able to do that. So what is it that I care about? I care about 
what inspired that dish? Like, how the hell did that chef come up with that idea? Was it in the shower? Was it while doing some other thing? Like, did your... They're Kramer. They're cooking in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> hey, some people do. All right. So to wrap up, then, we'll go one by one. We'll close with you, Sabrina, starting with Martin. Martin, our question today was, how do you fight doubt? Oh, is this going to be the right answer? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it's uh, allowing... It, I, I like the, the phrase earlier, riding the waves. Um, I'm always doubting everything I do. So uh, I just try and do it to some degree. And then if it doesn't play out, it doesn't play out. And I keep moving on. I think I bought like three new domain names over the weekend that I was going to turn into <laughs> things. And then I, f I can't even recall what the domain names were. So um, You'll find them one day. Yeah, someday when I look at my GoDaddy account and see the 30 things that I have in there. Um, oh, those are cool ideas. Uh, just allowing, like, allowing myself to um, grab onto ideas and then let them go, uh, and then keeping the focus moving forward on the one thing that I know I need to do, which is the thing that consumes my entire brain, which is how are we being manipulated and how can I control that? My answer for how do you fight doubt, it's two things. One of them, um, I'll draw from yoga for this, and I don't think the yoga mindset applies to everything like many yoga instructors do. I think it's pertinent in some areas. This is one of those where I will say. Um, but it's that idea of having a disciplined practice and that it is a practice. Um, like within yoga, you don't win at yoga. Yeah. Um, and I think with a lot of the stuff we're trying to do while we have goals with them, it's a practice every single day. So it takes a little bit of the pressure off, I think, if you treat it as a practice. The other, and I, I think uh, what couples with that is consistency in that and having that discipline so you develop a practice not just a one-off here and there because that's not a practice um, but also I think when you have those things in place it gives you I think that's your baseline then Martin um, and I'll give you like an example like with my consulting stuff I'm working on getting off the ground you know like like last week for instance I thought a contract was going to close and it did not and you know it's still in like limbo and I'm like ah oh, crap. But what do I have to fall back on? I was like, well, what are my like activities that I know like I can either sit and wallow or I can say did I you know at the beginning of the week and I pulled from when we did our episode with Todd Connor about like write down your big 3 goals for the week and goals are outcomes not tasks. Mm -hmm. And like my goal at the beginning of the week was get four meetings for next week because right now next week is empty. And by like Friday at two o'clock, like someone replied and was like, yeah, let's meet on Tuesday. And I was like, okay, great. So I got my four meetings. So although the contract didn't close, I got my four meetings, I, the existing meetings I had, I advanced them to the next stage. And you know, whatever my third goal was that that happened as well. So I was like, you know, my desired outcome didn't happen, but all I can do is just continue to follow this process I have set for myself and like, Something is going to happen if I follow and if I stay disciplined in that. Mm -hmm. Sabrina, that. how do you fight doubt? Uh, how do I fight doubt? I don't. I acknowledge, <laughs> I acknowledge that it's there, that it's always going to be there, and there's no point in trying to fight it because most times you'll probably lose and it'll be exhausting. But what you can do is learn to live with it and then make a conscious choice. Today, is doubt going to narrate how I live my life? Or today, am I going to narrate how I live my life? And that's all you can do every day. Beautiful. Sabrina Medora, thank you for joining us on the thank show. You so Thanks for having me, guys. Ooh. 
That wrapped up our conversation with Sabrina Medora. Sabrina, girl, thank you for joining us and having a really good exploratory conversation around doubt. I know I learned a lot. I know Martin learned a lot. I am sure our listeners learned a lot as well. Speaking of which, did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes, as well as subscribing to the show on whatever platform it is you listen to, whether that is iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or the various other platforms and networks our show can be found on. For full show notes, references, and resources discussed in this episode, as well as Sabrina's contact information, you can find it all over at www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. While you're there, you can check out our 70-plus episode archive of, well, awesome episodes. Hey, guess what? We have a new Twitter account specifically for this show. It is at DYIAwesome. Please follow us over there and, you know, tweet about us and, yeah, that stuff, social media stuff, you know, the, the thing the kids are doing these days. In any case, that'll do it for this one. Thank you again to Sabrina Medora for joining us. For Martin McGovern, I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today. Yeah.